Welcome to Page One or Bust, your ultimate guide to getting on page one of search engines. In this episode, you'll hear all the ways the B2B marketing world is changing and how account-based marketing runs parallel with content creation. You'll hear from Sam Graham-Vajray, a best-selling author and co-founder of a leading account-based marketing SaaS company. He talks about why content is a critical part of a page one strategy. But before we get into it, here's a brief word from today's sponsor. Page One or Bust is brought to you by Demand Jump. Get insights, drive outcomes with Demand Jump. Get started creating content that ranks at demandjump.com today. And now here's your co-hosts, Christopher Day and Ryan Brock. Hello, welcome back to Page One or Bust. This is your co-host, Christopher Day, the CEO of Demand Jump, alongside Ryan Brock, our chief content officer here at Demand Jump. Ryan, I'm super stoked about our guest today. Yeah, we got two gentlemen with very, very nice haircuts and me. Um, I don't think that's the only thing I'm going to be jealous of today here. Well, I think you'll be like brooding. I imagine you brooding in your spare time, your beard and like oiling it and keeping it going. Yeah, right. Yeah, it takes up half my half my day, honestly. I love it. So our guest today is Sangram Vadre. He recently co-authored the book Move with Brian Brown and hosts the podcast Move, the go-to market podcast. I can't wait to talk about that today, Sangram. And Sangram believes that go-to-market is a product, which I couldn't agree with more. Today's going to be awesome. So let's get after it, Sangram. Talk to us. Let's go back real quick and kind of level set and set the playing field for your journey and, and go back maybe to how you came to join Pardot and, and your role there, and, and uh, then we'll go from there. All right. Well, Ryan, dope. Thanks for having me. You know, when, when I go back in the memory lane, I really want to just stay there. You know, I don't know if you ever feel like, you know, some days, those days when you're so naive about certain things and you just go about your day and, and some great things happen and you look back and like, oh my gosh, like how did somebody even take a chance on me? Like, and it just feels so wrong. Oh, 100%. <laughs> Every day I'm like, why am I here? What am I doing? <laughs> yeah. So I think we all have this grateful stories to share. So I want to make sure as I share some of this, I call out some of those people who did take a chance on me. And, and I think we always should be thinking about that and, and doing that for others. Um, so for me, in the very, very early days, I'm my bachelor's and master's is in computer science. I have no bone of marketing from an academic perspective. Um, and I remember in my master's program, my team used to ask me to go and present. And the naive part of me thought, oh, I'm a great presenter. That's why my team is asking me to present all my masters. All that, They never let me code. They always say, no, no, you present, you tell the story, you do all that stuff. <laughs> and I thought, you know, for many years, I thought, I was a really, really good storyteller. Years later, I meet them at a bar and we talk about that time and they say, well, let us break you the truth. You were a horrible coder. We never <laughs> wanted you to touch the keyboard. So we had no idea, but the professor put you on our team. So we just pushed you on the mic and said, you go present it. I but it. quite frankly, that was the, the reason why I became a better storyteller and I continued to learn about it um, and, and got my breaks in marketing and, and, and part of I feel like every time I talk to a really great public speaker or storyteller, they have some roundabout path of getting there. They were thrust into something that they didn't even necessarily want, but then they're glad they did it, right? So that's oh, that's yeah. a great story. So talk to us a little bit about some of the, the go-to-market strategies in your journey with Pardot. What types of things do you deploy from a different marketing channel perspective and what things worked, what things didn't work, what surprised you or myths that you debunked along the way? Oh, at that time, this is uh, like we have to date ourselves because if we don't, uh, people would think like these guys are talking like just just, you know, smoking crack because we are not telling the truth here. But no, this is 2000. 
2008, 2009 timeframe where webinars were a big deal. I don't know if yeah. you remember where we would send an email, join us on a webinar, and we would have thousands of people actually join on a webinar. It was crazy. Yeah. So the thing that worked in 2008 to 2011 timeframe was we would do literally a weekly webinar weekly it wasn't once three months or once every single no, no. every single week we had a 35 minute webinar or 45 minute webinar about a particular marketing automation tactic how to create a landing page how to drive leads how do you do this that very very tactical and then thousands of marketers who wanted to learn how to use marketing automation will just join that webinar to learn something new and it was our greatest way to build awareness pipe revenue i was blown away with the fact that thousands of people would join for a webinar yeah. that is literally talking about here's how you use a, our product. Why do you think that is? Is this like a little bit of like, ooh, this feels like the future, so we're doing webinars now. Like, why did that? Why did that stop? What changed? Yeah, well, so in 2009, 2008, 2009, at that time, like people, the, the ability to get on a screen together and watch something happening, it, it, I think it almost felt people like magic. Plus, I think that was the beginning of my understanding of community building and the yep. power of community, the power of being an evangelist, the power of being truly doing any and everything to help your customer be super successful in their own job. And we at that time really thought about the fact that if we can get our customers promoted in their organization, we have done our job as a software provider. And, and, and honestly, that's really started to, to really move the needle for us. Okay, so you exit to exact target. Yeah. And, and, and then I think maybe even simultaneously, Salesforce. And then you decide to co-found Terminus. How did you arrive at, at that thought and how, how did that happen? And what did you set out to try to solve it at Terminus? So I'm at Salesforce, cushy job, right? You know, you, you're part of an acquisition. You, you know, you're doing well at that time. And for somebody who has really not have a marketing thing, all of a sudden I go from a $10 million part art startup company to a multi-billion dollar iconic brand, right? It's just, just yep. crazy awesome having more budget than i could count the zeros in i'm like is this is there some misprint here no, no, no that that's your budget for a quarter i'm like what for a quarter yeah. like what do i do uh so so i was i was just looking at this stuff and i was just like you know get in a candy shop like awesome like great great ex experience about two years but there was one thing that happened personally i met my co-founders of Terminus at a startup event, and I saw them pitching the idea of Terminus. And at that time, Terminus was already founded. It was like, I think, two months into it. And they were pitching the idea that, hey, if you can advertise to a list of email addresses, that'd be really, really cool. And I'm looking at that. I'm like, oh, that's targeted advertising. That's interesting. But if you did it at the account level where I can go after a specific account and we can put an ad in front of all of them proactively, not reactively, not like a retargeting thing, proactively, then yep. actually could be a really interesting thing for a B2B. And so I, I set up some time with them and had coffee with them and ended up spending an entire day on a whiteboard with them. I don't know if any of that sounds like, you know, because you both are founders of your organizations before, so you probably yep. can experience that. You, you yep. just spend the entire day on a whiteboard. And, and I could come home and tell my wife that, all right, you know, I just met these two guys. Uh, they just they have this company, no revenue, nothing whatsoever. Uh, but I think I think it's something special because I think I can be myself. They are tech people. I'm a marketer. Um, I think it's the problem that I you know could be solved. I think this would be really cool. And she looked at me. Do you recognize we just had our second baby? I don't work. <laughs> 
uh, <laughs> we have a mortgage, you know, like, are yeah. you aware of like where you are pretty much on planet earth? <laughs> and I'm like, I know, but I think I have a plan, right? You know, every, every, every entrepreneur has a plan, right? Right. Like, exactly. This is going to be great. Uh, yeah. And the plan is you're going to go find a job and we're going to put our kid in a daycare quickly. And, and, you know, this is going to work. And then we will have, you know, like financial freedom. And she's like, here's the thing. You have one year, you have one year to show me this thing as legs. Otherwise you're going to go find a real job. You know? <laughs> so she gave me a perfect constraint of like one year to go to whatever it takes to do, which is what we did. We did four flip my funnel events. I wrote a book, the first accomplished marketing book. We went all around like to four different cities, spreading the gospel of ABM because there was a clock on me. There wasn't an idea anymore. This had to work. There wasn't a plan B for me left. If I didn't do this, then my wife who's also working and also we have two kids and doing all these things, it's not going to work. And I'm going to be again, finding another job. So personally, this became a thing that I needed to come back to her with something that that's a value. So I'm so grateful. But, but you, you're, you're, when something sucks in like that, and you can't get that idea out of you and it becomes part of your brain. Yeah. I can relate to everything you're saying on a spiritual level, except my wife allowed me to do what I was doing for 10 years before I finally was like, okay, yeah, I better sell my business because if someone's <laughs> offering, that probably means I did a good job and, and I needed to not force her to yeah. live with that anymore. So that's a perfect lead into going back to 2008, right? Getting thousands of people to attend webinars. You know, there's this little acronym called SEO. Right. And, and content creation. Historically, you go back 20 years and gosh, SEO, some, I think almost has a bad connotation to it a lot of times because there's been of so course many. It, it, absolutely not. Kind of. It totally has a bad yeah. connotation to it. Right. People have been trying to figure this out forever. Right. You know, stuffing things with a bunch of, you know, a bag full of keywords or, you know, repeat it four times and then it will work or, or do these backlinks or create these bots or whatever. Right. People do all kinds of things trying to get stuff to work. And then we had this little thing called a pandemic occur, right? <laughs> called COVID, and which just accelerated everything in its complexity another 10 years, literally overnight. People talk about 70% of the B2B buyers out there now do all of their research and evaluation online before they ever talk to a salesperson. Marketing just becomes exponentially more complex every single year, right? More and more data, more and more complexity, more and more competitors, more and more customer types, et cetera, just keeps going on and on. So how, how do you think about that? What have been your experiences with, um, with, with SEO and with content creation and, and trying to create that awareness? Is that opposed to ABM in your opinion, Sangram, or are these things, uh, you know, compliments to one another? Uh, I, I think it's dramatically complementary uh, to each other because if you, if you think about ABM by construct, it means that you know who your target audience is and you're going after that. It's literally, I, I sometimes explain it as as, putting a billboard in front of every single house, uh, every single office that you ever want to be in front of, right? Like that, that would be the best thing to make them remind. That's, that's what ABM really is, is be in front of the people that you want to sell to. Now, when I think also about the fact that the sales process, I'll just share my own example. This is my third book, right? That I wrote recently. And this time I went from, I want a publisher and figure out how to write a book. Uh, do I need to, do I need to get a ghostwriter to do it? and which publisher can do it so that I can quickly get it published because I know what I want to write. So I just need the process of getting it done out. So I went from deciding on a Friday afternoon that I need to figure out who is the best publisher out there that I can work with so I can get the things done. Friday afternoon and by Tuesday evening, I've already made the decision. 
So if somebody has a nurture program that is six months long of somebody filling up a form and following up so to get them to become, <laughs> I mean, they just lost the battle. Right. They probably are That's still sending me emails, but they haven't, like, you know, I've already made the decision. I've already moved on and I'm not even deleting the email because it's not worth my time uh, from another. But somebody's still sending me emails about, hey, we saw you build a form and stuff. So, so the idea of a process a customer journey being super linear and following literally exactly a step-by-step model is dead and it's no yeah. longer relevant. Yeah, well, relevant. And it, that's something right. that's happened recently, and I don't know if it's the pandemic alone, but it's it's right in the same timeline as the pandemic where the portion of the customer journey that happens before that contact is made, it's just stretched out a ton. What used to be the top of the funnel is the entire funnel now. <laughs> and like we're, we're, we're just... We don't even know who we're talking to with content until they they finally make their way to us and they say, yeah, you've given me enough of what I need to do my own research and make my own decision. Yeah, yeah. And the the process, the timing of decision making either all of a sudden, like if you ever hear somebody say, or when I talk to my sales team, they said they just went dark. Like, you know, when I hear somebody say that, no, 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 they just didn't go dark. Like what we're doing is just not helping. They either moved on or they, they've already made a decision. They didn't go yeah. dark. Like they're still doing their job. They're alive. They're, you know, they're doing what they need to do. Or you would hear sometimes like, oh, well, I don't know. My content is not, it's just not falling on the right ears. Like we're not just getting the right person is another re- way I think of saying is that, we just don't know what problem we're solving for them. Yeah, right. Like if we know the problem we're solving, they will open the doors and want to talk to us. But if you don't know, then we're just throwing darts all day long. You know, I was having a conversation with Sean Herring, who is based out of India. Sure. He said something this morning, so it's so relevant to this conversation. He's like, what you're describing is being objective about certain things as opposed to being subjective. Most of the marketing yeah. today is subjective. It is, yes. It's almost like fishing for the right words to catch on. And hopefully in these hundred words, there is that one word that will catch on and, and you will latch on to that. And that, 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 that's really fishing for it, right? So it's very subjective. But as soon as you become specific, as soon as you become objective, as soon as you actually are pinning on the problem and using the problem words, the, the other person on the other side is like, Yes, you're talking my language now. You know, I need your help. The, the greatest challenge that marketers, uh, I feel, is going to face right now more than ever is being objective. That's spot on. And it, it reminds me of a, a phrase we're starting to think about, which is pillar-based marketing. Most marketers, when they try to attack SEO or content, they go subscribe to some tool. They download a whole bunch of keywords. The sophisticated ones are putting those keywords into a spreadsheet and they're trying to slice and dice them and kind of figure out what to do. And so they resort to their domain expertise and just want to start talking about how great we are, how great my product is or how my, great my widget is, my service, my great, it's widget, it's great, great service, widget, bye, bye, great. But that's not objectively or having the knowledge of what that target buyer, what is their pain? What are the words they're using to describe their pain? What are the questions they are asking in a very specific way that if you just knew that, well, then you'd be marking from a position of knowledge or being objective about, well, gosh, I know if I write this content that answers these specific questions in this specific order, that's what my target buyer wants to know. Yeah. And then they find me and I'm talking their language. So immediately I'm establishing a digital connection. I'm establishing digital trust. And then that sucks them into the ultimate place, which is the solution, right? The widget or the service that you're providing. Yeah. 
we built this rapport, even though we don't know them, but we built this rapport digitally of trust and, oh, this company gets me. They know my, they understand my pain and how to solve that. And and by the way, that's not just content. There's a reason we started using the phrase pillar-based marketing, not just pillar-based content, because the the metrics, uh, the engagement metrics around successfully published content like that spill over into, you know, better landing pages and lower cost per click. Like we see that time and time again, like if done right, this laser like focus can impact every part of your marketing, which, I, you know, I'm a newbie to account based marketing, but I think that's sort of the same idea, right? And I think I, the idea of like, if you ignore all the noise and stuff that doesn't really matter, and you focus on what does, it has a spillover effect on every little thing you do, because you're finding efficiencies uh, everywhere, I'd imagine. Absolutely. So what, there's, there's a parallel between what how we came across and started focusing on EBM. Initially, it was about what we were working on was account based advertising. Like that's what it was. It's really saying, let's just put a digital billboard in front of every customer, future customer that you want to go after proactively. So it was account-based advertising on the whiteboard. I still have a picture of that whiteboard where we wrote account-based advertising, ABA, right? But then just like Ryan, you just mentioned about why I think it's so important to use the word marketing as opposed to content, because at that time we did even though we did not know, we couldn't see what else could it be. We could feel that this is good. This is going to spill over into a better way of marketing. It's a better way of bringing, creating demand. It's a better way of all the things that marketing needs to do. So we started calling it and, and promoting the account-based marketing phrase. So I think you're spot on by using pillar-based marketing as opposed to pillar-based content, because I think it's going to have ripple effects on the revenue and the business outcomes. And you don't want to miss out on what what value is going to drive to your customers. Yeah, well, and I, having been the target of account-based marketing and not realized that that was what was happening in the past, it isn't just advertising. I mean, like, there, it's, it's ironic. I'm not going to name them by name, but there was a software as a service company that is now a customer of ours that, that we provide services to who years ago, when I was still just you know, running my agency, Metonymy Media, I, they were hitting me hard. They were hitting me hard and I was distracted. I was not in a place to be do, making any purchase decisions around what they were yeah. selling. But it, it was to the extent where they were like, hey, we're mailing you like a present. Like we're we're like stuff that you're not doing to every, if you have a right. mailing list of a million people, you're not engaging on this level. So, I mean, it was email, it was advertising. It was, it was snail mail sending me like custom made wood engraved things. And I, in retrospect, I'm like, huh, that must be what ABM is. <laughs> I just didn't know it at the time. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's in, in many ways, all of this. Like I think what, what I also love about the pillar, the way I think about pillars is, I encourage now as many companies I'm advising or on the board of, and even our own team, we said, look, create one great piece of content that you can gate and stick with that and drive every other things to that one piece of content. Because if people who are listening to this and if they're in marketing right now, and if if your uh, scorecard looks like, I need to do three webinars a quarter. I need to do two eBooks a month. I need to write five blog posts. If that's what your tactical many of options look like, you're essentially talking about being in the nineties, uh, might as well, right? Because it's you're brain just and not, brain. yeah, right? like totally. But if you actually say, you know what, we're going to create a definitive guide. In your case, you might say a definitive guide on how to do SEO. Like that's that maybe that is your pillar content. If I use the word pillar uh, with your permission on that. Then that's what that's what literally is is driving everybody to oh all this awesomeness that you're creating where you're giving the objective information that people are finding and coming to and if that all of that is all free all free all free all free 
But then it points to this one thing all along with every single blog post, every single content you ever create to that one definitive guide or one state of whatever that report is. It literally becomes your only piece that of content. You don't have to anymore go after, well, that piece of content works better. It is literally keep that living, breathing, make it awesome, make it new, make it fresh every year, Um, but create that. And I think every company has the ability to do it. But for some reason, we always go down to, to, to the lowest level of creating as many pieces as possible as opposed to the best pieces that can drive the business. Yeah. Well, we certainly agree, like from the pillar-based marketing camp, spiritually, we're, we're dead on. Even when we think about the flow of like top of the funnel content, like your blog content and that free stuff you're talking about, we follow the same principle where it's you have one pillar page of content. It's free. It's not gated. It's a, it's a core part of your website, but all roads lead there. Everything, every, anytime we're trying to get someone onto our site from an organic search perspective, the only place that they're going to go next is to that hub that we want to get them to. It's about building a network of content. And then, yeah, I mean, we've seen using this pillar approach, focusing our lead gen efforts only on those those hub pieces. That's where you get the most magic is by really investing in that one spot. I'm, I'm just fascinated by the ways that we could fold these. You hear people using jargon all the time about this kind of marketing or this approach or this style of yeah. work or whatever. But it's just, it's fascinating when you get down to it and you think, wow, there's a lot that these things can can do for each other and complement each yeah. other and learn from, you know? So we have this evolution of marketing, right? That's happened with account-based marketing, pillar-based marketing now, and talked about a little bit about tying marketing and, and sales teams together. And that culminates in writing the book, Move. And and how you're thinking about go to market as a product, right? And it's not only marketing, it's not only sales, but it's also your product team. It is your customer success team, right? And those things operating in unison, right? As a well-oiled machine. So talk to us a little bit about your book. Let's give us kind of the, yeah. the high level. All right. So I'll share the problem, right? You know, as good marketers, that's where we should start. And I'll ask you guys, like, let's just do a quick poll, like off completely off the cuff. What percentage of Series A companies fail, in your opinion? Uh, probably 90, 90%. Uh, yeah, at least. Right. You guys are spot on. And, and think about that for a second. How quickly you just said 90%. It is 89% of the Series A companies fail. 84% of Series B companies fail. Wow. And you think about all the money that is raised in the, in the VC world right now for the early stage startup. And I'm like... Is this is this the game the VC world is playing? Clearly not. They they're not banking on it, but that's yeah. what's happening. And then McKinsey came out with a study recently where they talked about the fact that companies typically get to about 10 million in revenue. And Tof, you've seen this part when I shared that in one of our talks. Yep. Yep. And literally they walk into this something called as the valley of death. If people can search called SAS Valley of Death, you'll see this chart. But between 10 to 50, it's almost like they go there to die. Uh, you know, you, you instead of raise it, rising up, literally 0.04% of the companies even had a chance to hit 50 million in revenue. And and I've been, I feel like fortunate being at Pardot from 10 to 100 um, and like Terminus, we've gone from zero to 50. And I feel like I've seen this movie a couple of times now. And so I'm uh, like, this book came out of this need is like, wait a minute, there, there's something inherently wrong of how companies go to market. And when I started asking question, well, how do you define go to market to anybody in around? A lot of people had a very unsatisfactory answer, as you can imagine. People would say, well, when you launch a product, you go to market. Or there's a sales channel, like when you're channel marketing, that's going to market or any marketing stuff. And come to find out as part of the research, I interviewed Brian Halligan, uh, who really 
at that time yep. was the CEO of HubSpot and, and gave yes. me that quote that you just said, which is go to market is like a product. I mean, he's like, that is the thing that companies miss. They don't look at, they don't evolve their go to market as they evolve their product, as they evolve their services, as they evolve their teams. They do not spend the time to evolve their go to market uh, process. So it has been the fascinating to be a student of it and just learning from lots and lots of people. As a matter of fact, how about this? Anybody who's listening to this podcast, if this is interesting, just DM me on LinkedIn. I'll ship you a signed copy of the book. How about that? That's amazing, Sangram. I was just going to ask, can I get mine signed? Amazing. Well, we'll read it and then we'll make it required reading for the rest of the C-suite over here. (laughs) I would love to, love to help you do that. That's awesome. I love it. All right. Well, Sangram, let's get into a couple of quick hits. What's the last thing you searched for? The last thing I searched was um, <laughs> do, uh, pet food uh, and pet toys because we just got a little a golden doodle three you know oh, three months oh, old. So we're trying and never had a dog in in our house before. So we got two kids and they're running around with the dogs. And so we were looking for pet food and what pet toys. I'm spending more money on a, on a pet right now that I'm like, what's going on over here? <laughs> it's easy to do. But then they, they look at you with those big eyes and you're like, okay, this was worth it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. What's the best piece of advice for a, for a marketing or go-to-market leader? I would say, I think it's a quote I've said before, um, is that being intentional is way more important than being brilliant. Most marketers just want to be more brilliant. Most leaders want to be brilliant. Really, it's it's not important to be brilliant at all. Uh, it's really intentional about it. And uh, another way to say it is being aligned is more important than being right. So get you and your team and your customers and your partners and everybody aligned on something big and massive. It doesn't matter you know, how good it is. It's like if they're aligned, you would actually find better outcome. Yeah, I love it. That's Wow, that's amazing. And that shift's got to be hard for a lot of founders, right? Like you go from the being brilliant part and the saying, I've got an idea that's going to disrupt things and solve problems to, oh, crap, now I just got to build a system. (laughs) Like those are two different muscles. to funny. All right, Sangram, where can people reach you? Where can they learn more about the book? Where can they watch your podcast? How do uh, do people find you? Oh, just drop me a DM on LinkedIn. Uh, I'll send you guys, send anybody who actually just send me something you liked. I mean, maybe if, if, if I know this is audio, uh, but maybe, maybe you like something that Tope said or Ryan said or I said. I'll always love to hear from people what sparked them, like what got them going. Um, just drop something and I'll, I'll send a copy of the book. Um, LinkedIn is the place to, to find me. Obviously, I hope you check out Terminus and you hope, hope you check out some of the work I've done, but LinkedIn would be the place to find. Awesome. Well, thank you everyone for joining us today on page one or bust with Sangram Vadre. It was awesome. Sangram, thank you for sharing all of your thoughts and experiences and and wisdom. Uh, It's been absolutely awesome. Such a great conversation. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah, it was a blast. I couldn't imagine we covered so many things. I was banking that we wouldn't even get to the end of it, but we did. (laughs) You did a phenomenal job. Awesome. All right. Until next time, we'll see y'all soon. Page One or Bust is brought to you by Demand Jump. Know the exact content to create to increase first page rankings and drive outcomes with Demand Jump. Get started for free today at demandjump.com.